Well, church, we continue to find ourselves in this strange, surreal, weird place that we've been in of, of self-isolation, of social distancing, a world that none of us ever would have expected to step into, a world that maybe we don't even fully recognize because we have not yet lived it long enough. I've had so many conversations this week about um, myself, including people struggling to find routines. I've had so many conversations this week about what our new normal looks like. And through it all, there have been moments of concern, of worry about, oh my goodness, how do we adjust to what is now our normal? And beyond that, we've, some of us have been thinking and reflecting about what our new, new normal will be. When we come out of this. Because one thing's for sure, the world will never be what it was. Something different has happened. And something different will come out of it. And so we'll have a new normal now. We'll have a new normal, a new new normal later. And there is a rapid pace of change in all that is going on. That is difficult for us to engage with sometimes. It's difficult for us to understand. But church, can I encourage you right now before we even dive into scripture and remind you about what our series is about. Remembering who our God is. Because our God is greater than COVID-19. Our God is greater than any change that we have to come up against. Our God is greater than our new normal or our new new normal. Our God is the same today as he was yesterday, a couple of weeks ago, years ago, millennia ago. He's the same God. Our God is an awesome God who reigns forever, who lo whose love endures forever. Not just during the good times, not just during the easy times, forever. And so church, can I remind you as we step in to this next part of Bible, of this next part of the series, that actually that is where we start of who he is, what we've done over the last few weeks. We know that God has told us that he will never leave us or forsake us. We know that he has told us that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if we are going to call ourselves Christians, we have to stand in that truth, stand in that reality, and live that out. And last week we explored the fact that God is asking so much of us. He has told us point blank who we are to worship. He has told us point blank who we are to put number one. And we ask the question of are we actually doing that? And today, as it's Palm Sunday, we turn to scripture to remember Jesus's triumphal entry. And we turn to start remembering who he is and what he's done. And so we're going to dive into scripture we're going to turn to Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. And the amazing thing about the account of the triumphal entry is that it's in all four Gospels. So I'm going to refer to a few others possibly throughout today's talk. But the truth is that we're going to kind of hint it all around. Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. So you can turn on your Bibles, flip them open, flip to that now as we read. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. 
Say to daughter Zion, see, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed all shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Hosanna. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And what an awesome reading that is, isn't it? I mean, how amazing is it? Just close your eyes for me for a second and picture yourself at that time in that place. A massive crowd, Jesus coming on a donkey, fulfilling prophecy, and people throwing their cloaks down, celebrating who he is, people crying out, Hosanna! Oh, wow, how amazing is that? I, I wonder, before we dive in and unpack any of those scriptures, I wonder how you welcome Jesus in. I wonder if right now, as you were watching this, you heard a knock on the door that and if you got up and you walked over to the door and you opened it up and if you saw it was Jesus, how would you react? Would you just kind of say, hey, come on in, Jesus, welcome. Or would you immediately slam the door in his face and go, oh my goodness, my house is a mess. Let me go tidy up real quick. Do a quick once over and come back and say, hello, Jesus. Sorry about that. Come on through. Oh, ignore the big pile of stuff under the carpet. No, it's fine. We're good. Welcome. Cup of tea. I, I, I wonder if you would even recognize him at all. Would any of us recognize Jesus? I'd love to say yes, but I wonder how we would welcome him. Because there's so much that we see in this scripture. And we, we know that the large crowds gathered around, to, to outside of Jerusalem, gathered around him to welcome him because... They had seen what he had done. I mean, would you be gathered in a crowd to welcome him? Would you make noise and shout Hosanna to welcome him? Because what we see, and to be fair, to be gathered in a crowd right now might be a bit hard. We might be dispersed by the police. But would you, if you saw Jesus, go out and meet him? Would you welcome him in such ways? Because we see that the large crowds gathered to welcome Jesus because they had remembered what he had done. They had remembered what Jesus had done. See, so we read in John 12, 17, I mentioned that this account of the triumphal entry is in all four Gospels. And in John 12, verse 17, we read this. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why they, the crowd went to meet him was they heard he had done this sign. You see, the crowd gathered because 
they remembered who he was. They remembered what he'd done. Like that one crowd gathered and they saw, wow, they just raised, he just raised him from the dead. Let's go. Others would be like, is that the same Jesus that did this and did that? They gathered because they remembered what he had done. Do we gather because we remember what he's done? We could argue that once a month we come together because we remember what he's done. But I wonder how often we come to church just out of routine. I wonder how often we come to church because it's what I've always done, because it's what somebody expects of me, because Adrian told me to. I wonder how often we gather as church and welcome him in by his spirit, welcome his presence among us, simply because it's what we've always done, as opposed to because of us remembering what he has done. See, when we gather to remember who he is, we should be gathering with such joy and celebration. We should be welcoming him in like we see the crowd welcoming him. We should be crying out, Hosanna. We should be gathering as a crowd, remembering what he's done. Do we remember those truths? Do we remember his life, the teachings that we have? We talk about the word of God and we dive into it. And so often we're really good at reading it and we're really good at memorizing it. Or some of us are good at reading it and some of us are good at memorizing it. But sometimes we forget that part of God's teachings, Jesus' teachings for us, wasn't just to read them and know them, but was to live them out. Was to welcome him into our lives that we would walk the way he wants us to walk. That we would celebrate who he is and be joyful about who he is and what he's done. That we would live the lives he's called us to. And I wonder right now as you're watching this, are you willing to welcome him like that? Are you willing to welcome him knowing that he is triumphant in all that he's done? Knowing that he is above all else in your life? And the thing is that the crowd doesn't just remember the immediate stuff that Jesus does, but they actually go back and they remember other things as well. They actually remember the kind of welcoming a king deserves because the crowd laid down their best to welcome Jesus. You see, the crowd were Jews and they would have known their scripture pretty well. They would have known it better than possibly you and I know our scriptures, at least some of us maybe. And one of the things that they would have known would have been a reference to 2 Kings 9, when Jehu is anointed king, and it says this, Jehu said, he, here is what he told me. This is what the Lord says, I anoint your king over Israel. And then they quickly took their cloaks and spread them under on the bare steps. And then they blew the trumpet and shouted, Jehu is king! You see, the crowd would have known how to welcome a king into his rightful place. The crowd would have remembered from their scripture readings, from what they know of who God is, they would have remembered how to welcome a king, and that is how they welcome Jesus. <laughs> how amazing is that? That they gather because they remember what he's done, but they welcome him in that manner because they remember who he is, a king. He is an amazing king. They lay down their best, their coats. Now, we have to again put into perspective what we're talking about. A lot of these crowds were not crowds of rich people, were not crowds of all sorts of... They were crowds of oftentimes the poor, oftentimes the market workers. Some may have had a bit more money, but they all laid down their coats, possibly their only coat, 
their very best that they were wearing at that time. They lay down to welcome Jesus. And those who didn't do that or didn't have that go and cut down. They go through the effort of going to find a palm leaf, chop that down and bring it and lay it before Jesus so that he could walk on it. And you know what's really funny is that with the, with the coats, they're laying it not on a beautifully paved stone, which is going to be walked on very gingerly by Jesus with beautifully clean shoes and clean feet. No, 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 no. They lay their coats down on dusty, messy, horrible roads. Their feet were always disgusting for a reason because there was all sorts of muck on the roads, dust on the road, mud on the roads. And then on top of that, Jesus is sat on a donkey. So this Jesus on a donkey is walking on their coats. And we all know the kind of mess that donkeys and other animals like that make. And so we see they give their best regardless of what is to come for Jesus. <coughs> and they do that because they remember who Jesus is. They remember what he's done. And they remember how to welcome a king. I wonder how often maybe we forget one or both of those facts. Maybe we remember who Jesus is and maybe we remember what, what he's done. But do we remember that he's king? That actually the almighty who we get to speak to and step into the presence of is our king? Do you remember that, church? Do you step into that reality? Do you live your life knowing that truth? But you see, I, I reckon that part of the reason they gave that is because they recognize him as their king. But not only because they recognized him as their king, but also because the crowd recognized and remember the fact that they need to be saved. Do we remember that? We see in that same passage that the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. That word Hosanna is actually a Hebrew word for save. It was later transformed and started being used as a praise phrase. A phrase to praise people, but it actually translates to save. As Jesus is walking in, as they've recognized him as king, as they've laid down their best before him, they are shouting, save! In celebration, save! Save! Woohoo! Do we welcome Jesus like that in our lives? Do we welcome Jesus with that joy in our hearts, but knowing that he's coming to save us? Do you and I still believe that we need saving? Because the funny thing is, is that oftentimes one of the conversations I have on a regular basis with non-Christians is their, their belief or understanding of their own lives thinking actually they don't need to be saved from anything. They are good people. They are Decent human beings, they are actually quite loving, quite nice. And as far as they're concerned, they have no reason to be saved. They don't understand what they need saving from. And, and some Christians that I've met with have been like, well, I don't need saving because Jesus already saved me. But the truth is that yes, he's already saved you, but you still need to be saved by Jesus on a regular basis. 
We need to be saved every day from our sin. We need to be saved every day from the life that we would have if we did not have Jesus with us. It's not as simple as signing a contract. Jesus has saved me. Done. And walking away from it. You see, being saved by Jesus is, yes, a one-off thing. He saved, he did it once and for all. But also, we need to live a life remembering that we need saving. Because if it wasn't for Jesus, if it isn't for him in my life daily, I will not survive. We need to remember the fact that we need saving. Do you believe that you need to be saved? Do you believe that you need to be saved from anything? Do we remember, church, our need for our Savior? You know, the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believed in Him would not die, would not perish, but would have eternal life. And 3, 17, again, probably one of my favorites, goes on to say, Because Jesus did not come to condemn the world, He came to save the world. Jesus' main purpose on this earth was to save me, to save you, to save us, his people. Do you believe and remember the fact that you need saving? Now, I don't know about you, but I know there's times in my life where I live it as if I didn't need saving. There are times in my life where I, what I live out is an individualistic, I've got this, God, don't worry about it, life. But in fact, it should be a daily reminder of God, I need you more than ever because you are my savior. You are the name above all names. You are the one that is in control. And so, Lord God, I cry out to you to save me every day, every moment. Not just when I'm in the dark pits where I put myself in a bad situation, but I need you to save me every day. God, because you are my savior. Now, unfortunately though, it could be said that I'm giving the crowd maybe a bit too much credit because, you see, we see that the crowd quickly forget who they believe Jesus to be. You know, as Jesus enters into Jerusalem and the city is buzzing with excitement, the people ask around, hey, who is this guy who's entered? And the crowd answers, Jesus, a prophet from Nazareth. They just... Welcomed him in as a king. They just laid down their coats, grabbed palm leaves, and cried out, Save us! But when asked who he was, he's a prophet from Nazareth. Now, don't get me wrong, church. Of course, Jesus was a prophet, but he was not just a prophet. They forget who they are calling out to, who they are welcoming. They have forgotten who Jesus truly is. And it could be argued that maybe they didn't even fully know. But I think you and I do. You and I have God's amazing word that describes to us, and unpacks for us, tells us the truth of who Jesus is. And I think sometimes we like to pick and choose. Oh, well, he, he is this, and he is that. and he, But actually, Jesus is... All of them. He is our king above all kings. He is the mighty counselor. He is the name above all names. He is the, the, the way, the truth, and the life. He is the bread of life. He is all of those things. He is not just one little bit. Yes, he is prophet, but he is also king. Do we remember who he is? Because the people forgot. In that moment, they had an opportunity 
to turn around to say, this Jesus, he is our king. He is the, look at how we welcome him. He's the king above all. He is the one who's going to save us. But instead of doing that, they fall back to another truth, but not the whole truth. I wonder how often we do that, church. I wonder how often in conversations with people when they, when, when they start, hey, why are you a Christian? And Tell me about this Jesus. I wonder how often we only give them a piece of the picture of who Jesus is. Maybe it's a piece that's easiest to describe. Maybe it's a piece that we're most comfortable with. Or maybe it's a piece of the part of Jesus that we like the most. But actually, we need to know the fullness of who Jesus is. And we need to remember that truth. We need to remember who he is and what he's done. Do we remember who he is? Do we remember what he's done? Does our life reflect that truth and that reality? Because if it doesn't, then our lives need to change, church. If our lives don't reflect who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, if we cannot live a life that reflects the fact that we remember who he is, then our lives need to change. I wonder if God, during this time, during this season, is asking you to maybe let him guide you, mold you, change you. I wonder if during this season, God is calling you to drop to your knees and cry out to him more so that he would, by his spirit, be so indwelling in you that as you stand up and when you are next able to step out of your house, that your life would so fully reflect who he is and what he's done. I wonder, church, if this time of isolation is actually more of a time for us to focus on Him. I wonder what our lives will look like when our new, new normal takes place. Will our new, new normal be reflective of Jesus? Or will our new, new normal go back to the old ways? Or worse, even before we knew Jesus? Because every day we have the option to follow in and push in more. Every day we have the option to cry out more. Every day we have the option to say, God, your way, not my way. You are going to lead me. You by your spirit will change me. Or I'll do it by myself. Regardless of where you are, regardless of what part of your life you're living, regardless of your age, your background, your uh, socioeconomic status, regardless of all those things, We need to remember who Jesus is and our lives need to reflect that fact. Do our lives reflect us laying down our best for him? Do our lives reflect us laying down our best for him? I firmly believe. I firmly believe that God is trying to remind us who he is. He is trying to remind us what he has done. He is trying to remind us what He has asked of us, church. I firmly believe that God is looking for us to give our entire lives as a living sacrifice to Him, holy and pleasing. I believe that God has been preparing us to be strong and courageous. I genuinely believe with everything in me, church, That you and I are called to be transformed during this period. 
This time is difficult, it's straining, it's challenging. There's all sorts of things going through our minds. But during this time, we need to remember who our God is. We need to remember who Jesus is. We're going to come around the communion table in a little bit. And we cannot just do that simply just to go, oh yes, it's a nice little bit of bread and wine. Because it's not. It's just remembering who our Savior is and what he has done for you and for me and for all of humanity. Because we need saving, church. If we didn't need saving, then why would he have done it? If we didn't need saving, then why would he have done what he did? But we do. And we need him every day, church. And we need to cry out to him more and more. And guys, we need to push into him so much that literally his spirit is dwelling in us and around us. And that we are being transformed. And it might be physical. And it might be painful. It might be really painful to let God chisel away the things that aren't of him. I know for a fact that this period of time has already started to be difficult for many of us, myself included. There are parts of me that are struggling with this. But the reason they're struggling is because they're pulling out of me the things that aren't of God. The reason I'm struggling is because actually it is God by his spirit chiseling away hammering away those things that aren't of him so that I can come out of this stronger in him, more firm in who he is as my God, as my Lord, and as my Savior. And, and maybe, maybe you're watching this right now and you don't know him as your Lord and your Savior. Maybe you don't know him as the one who's given his life for you. Maybe you don't believe yet that God is who he says that he is. But can I ask you, if you don't yet, if you haven't yet committed and given your life to Jesus, then what are you waiting for? Can I ask you, church, what are you waiting for if you haven't yet? And, and maybe, maybe you're sat there as a Christian who've given your lives to Jesus, but you know that he's asking more of you. You know that he has called you to give more of what you've got. You know that there's something that he's trying to get rid of, chisel away. What are you waiting for? Church, what are you waiting for? Because I firmly believe that this season is for us to remember who he is. That our lives would be transformed by who he is. As we remember. As we focus on him. As we place him above all else. I firmly believe he's got plans and purposes for every single one of us. Beyond COVID-19. Beyond what we're even thinking or dreaming about. But we need to step into what he wants for us. We need to remember who he is. I believe now more than ever that God is asking these things of us. And because church right now, it matters more than ever for us to be loving God with everything that we are. It matters now more than ever for us to be loving our neighbor. This is what God has been preparing us for. I often have conversations with Christians of them saying, oh, I've never had a God moment. Or I've never had the big burning bush moment. I've never been. Guess what, guys? COVID-19 is that moment for us where we can step in and see God move in massive ways. If only we let him. Because right now is where God is asking us as his people to be present in our communities. To be loving. To remind ourselves that we are called to give our whole lives, mind, soul, strength, everything, heart, physical, emotional, 
spiritual, intellectual. It's not just one aspect, it's all of them and it's all for God. Now more than ever do we need it. Now more than ever does this world need to see God's people rise up. Not as those who have been sent to condemn because it's not our role to condemn. Not as those who are coming to try and take a place of a savior because it is not us who does the saving. Not as those who cower away in fear of COVID-19 or anything else. But as God's people. Standing strong and true and firm in the foundation of who Jesus is. Because that is who he says that he is. Do we remember who Jesus is? Do we remember who he has called us to be in his presence? Will you welcome him into your life the way the crowd did, but better? Would you welcome him not just as king, but as everything that Jesus says that he is? Because church, now is the time that he's asking for us to stand up. Now is the time that Gambling Gate Baptist Church is being asked by God to be his hands and feet in this place, to cry out, to turn everything that we are over to him, not just a piece of it, not just a portion, but all of us to him. But God won't force himself on us. He won't make you, he won't make me, but I genuinely believe he's asking and he's calling and he's drawing us nearer. As you remember him, will you step into all that he's calling you to? Let's pray.